Hi, I'm Sierra. And I'm Crystal. And welcome to Black Girls Just Want to Have Fun. A series of conversations between two Black women striving to find joy and fulfillment as they navigate their 20s. Hi, Crystal. (laughs) Hi. Hi, Sierra. And hi, besties. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Black Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Woo! Episode 7, turn up, lucky number 7. Our last episode of the season. I know, this went by so fast. It did, it It did. I'm going to miss our besties while we take a little break after this. Definitely make sure you listen to our old episodes so you can get caught up. So when we release season 2, you'll be all ready to go. Yes, because season two, we're going to be back. We're going to be better. We're going to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got some new ideas. <laughs> exactly. Things are going to get spicy, I think. Yeah, season definitely. We're going to push some boundaries in season two. I agree. I agree. I, I feel like season one was a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. type stuff. So season two will be really We're getting tight. Forward. Okay, in every aspect. <laughs> every aspect. Nikki Bodies season two. Watch out. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, so, episode seven. Mm-hmm. Black girls. Just want to discuss Black TV. Yes. Episode seven. This really all started with George Floyd and COVID. And they started shining a light on all these Black issues. And Black industry came up. Um, So as we've seen this shift towards more content creation for the Black community tailored towards us, we've had conversations around kind of the current state of Black television. And we've talked about the past versus the present. And this is our episode for today. So I think just to kick it off, how would you describe the current state of Black television? I honestly had such a hard time thinking of like, what's a catchy phrase, like adjective to describe the current state of Black TV. And the only thing I could really come up with that captures my feelings is actually just interesting. I think we're (laughs) (laughs) like, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just interesting. Yes. Yes. Because I think there are a lot of Black TV shows out there when you think about broadcast networks like NBC, ABC, cable bt own and then we also have smaller networks like aspire that create specifically black content so i think we have quite a repertoire of <laughs> tv shows to pull from yeah. but i feel like we have the quantity but we don't exactly have the quality to match mm. and that's not necessarily black creators faults i can imagine yeah. it's also due to like lack of funding because that definitely impacts you know how Great, you can make a television show, but I just say it's an interesting Interesting, yeah. The funny part is I've been using the word mid a lot lately, which is... I like that. Yeah, and that's what I said to describe the current state of Black television. Yeah, just very mid, you know, like, I feel like it's barely scratching the surface of greatness in a way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think like you mentioned there's the quantity but you're missing the quality I think there are black shows out there that are amazing 
like insecure did an yeah. amazing job with that storyline but we miss you insecure <laughs> literally things haven't been the same and I, and that's the thing like how many insecures are out there or shows right. that we would put at that level there's just mm-hmm. not a lot right now I think there are shows that have the potential to be great mm-hmm. you know but then there's also just shows that there's a lot of questions around. There's a lot of rooms for like a lot of room for growth. Mm-hmm. You wonder really who is in the writing room mm-hmm. and who's making those high level decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see just a, I would say at least there's a spectrum of TV shows and we're moving in a positive direction compared to where we started, let's say in the 19. 19- 50s and 60s taking it all the way back Mm -hmm. but there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of room for improvement and growth within the black tv industry yeah definitely and it's hard because I feel like the gatekeepers for a lot the gatekeepers for like the industry is honestly like white corporate America too that's the really hard part it's like raising even if you have your own production company eventually Mm -hmm. you have to kind of pitched like a white person that may not understand the story that you're trying to tell and I think that's yeah we'll get into this later but I think that's why we see the content that we do on our tv screens yeah I mean it's even good to note like BET hasn't been black owned for yeah a while now and it's such an expensive industry to participate in too like even owning a studio or production company you have to front all of that money up front without even knowing where it's going to air so it can be really, really capital intensive. And I think that's another reason why we haven't seen as many, you know, black studios go as far as their counterparts. Yeah. Also life expectancy on, you know, studios, you know, they say like a startup, what is it? Five years. If you can last the first five years, then you're on a good track to succeed mm-hmm. as a business. I think mm-hmm. in the industry, it's a lot shorter mm-hmm. I believe it yeah I definitely <laughs> believe it so looking at the current state of black television you said it's mid I say it's interesting how do you think <laughs> yes. this compares to 90s tv so what we were kind of well I don't know if I could say we were growing up watching it but we were at least like surrounded by it a lot when we were younger I actually did some research on 90s TV shows and Love what it. I was watching was truly 90s TV. So oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I was watching Tila Tequila Shot at Love on MTV when I was a kid. I know. I was <laughs> wild. I literally have no <laughs> comment on that. Because number one, I will say I did watch that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, that was not the main stuff that I was watching. <laughs> I don't know oh, how gosh. I found that. But yes, how does this compare today's yeah. current state of Black TV to 90s TV? Yeah, so I think TV in this new era honestly cannot touch or even compare to the 90s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I feel like every... I won't say everything, but most things that I grew up watching in the 90s, it was just like very wholesome. It showed real life. And also I felt like the characters were people that we could actually relate to and potentially see around us in like everyday life. So I think 90s TV 
showcased black people in the best light possible. And I'll even say like some examples, the Wayans brothers, Martin, Mm -hmm. family matters, Moesha, the Parkers, fresh Prince, smart. Yeah. The Steve Harvey show, the Jamie Foxx show. Like these were all shows that we had that number one, like I said, showcased us in the best light possible, I believe. But mm-hmm. also, these were shows that, like, I was watching. And in the 90s, I was born in 95. So from one to five. And then also, I think, carrying into the early half of the 2000s. So, like, mm-hmm. I would say from five to 10. That's when I was really watching these shows. I was watching it with my entire family. Like, my aunts, my uncles, whenever we were around them, um, mm-hmm. my grandparents, my great-grandparents, these were shows that we all watch. So I feel like right. it, it truly transcends time. The whole family, this is something we could all watch. And I just don't think that we have that type of television right now. Yeah, yeah, that's really fair to say. And I found an interesting fact on this. So there's a Huffington Post analysis, and they said that the mid-1990s were actually the peak of Black sitcoms being I on television. I yeah, there it. were 18. <laughs> there were 18 Black sitcoms running on major networks at the time. Mm-hmm. And we definitely see the decline of that today. And we have a couple sitcoms, like Blackish, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, at some point in time, also like some Netflix titles. I mm-hmm. forgot the one we were talking about with um, Family Mark- Reunion. Yeah, okay. with Mike Epps. Oh, no, that's a different one. I think that's the Upshaws. Maybe, yes. Yes, but yeah, so there are a couple right now, but they just don't hit the same. Like I mean, we don't even know the name. Obviously, right. (laughs) They kind of just, I think that's the thing too, like they just get lost Mm -hmm. in the volume of all the other Netflix shows out there too. Like the marketing isn't there for us to even know that this is a show that exists. And I feel like a lot of the shows now compared to the 90s, today's shows are just so rooted, I feel like, in indulgence and lust, like lust of money, Mm -hmm. sex, drugs. Like, where is the nice, wholesome content that I can watch with my mom and not make up an excuse to leave when an awkward scene comes on? Yeah. Like, it's just not the same. There's very few shows that I find uplifting, Black TV shows that I find uplifting. I think too, talking about that focal point and maybe that's why um, kind of made the commentary around like shows that you can watch with your family. Mm-hmm. I think those shows literally used to be all about the family unit and also like right. community, very rooted in those type of values. And mm-hmm. you kind of just don't see that these days. Yeah, the community aspect of television, Black TV has just gone down the drain. Yeah. And today, yeah, we have love and hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that takes us to the early 2000s for comparison. We talked about the 90s, but maybe let's talk about early 2000s because that is where you see the kind of creation of reality mm-hmm. TV and it inching into the Black community as well. Yeah. Things definitely, I would say, took a turn. I feel like we, there were a couple of black sitcoms that were released, like mm-hmm. My Wife and Kids, Bernie Mac Show, R.I.P. Yes, Bernie Mac. I know. Everybody Hates Chris. So yep. there were a couple. They didn't last that long, though. From another article, I read it's actually because the viewership was just so split. 
So a lot of white viewers aren't watching it. A lot of black viewers as well weren't watching it because they're watching other shows like Friends and stuff at the time. So their tenure of the show is Friends. <laughs> Friends, Survivor. There were a lot of like big shows, you know, during the 2000s they had to compete with. I feel like the 2010s, though, is when we start to see reality TV really kind of come to a head mm. in the Black community. But what do you think about television in the 2000s? Um, I think similar to just what you mentioned, honestly, in the early 2000s, I think sitcoms do start to die down, but I think there's still like some inklings of the 90s sprinkled in there. Because, I mean, you had girlfriends, number one. Yeah, true. You had one-on-one, my wife and kids, half and half, like all of us as well. Um, You start to see the emergence of Tyler Perry sitcoms as well. Uh, mm. which we'll touch on Tyler Perry a little later. Specifically, we'll I, talk about you, Tyler. Just wait. <laughs> so I'm not going to put too much attention on him right now. I honestly would say I think reality TV for the community started to take off in the 2000s, only because I remember in middle school, 2006 mm-hmm. to 2009, I was really watching like the Flava Flav. Oh, yes, on MTV. Yes, that Mm -hmm. used to be the highlight of my day (laughs) in middle school. Wow. Looking looking back on that. Watching this man. Girl, looking back on on that, I was literally like, what am I, what was I doing? (laughs) Where was our adults telling us that this is not good content? Right, right. I totally agree. I don't know who was running MTV at the time, or I don't know if it was VH1, but they had the Flavor Flav one, Bay Pila Tequila. They had mm-hmm. Brett Rock, who was yep. like the rock star guy. Like they're just pumping out so many of these dating, like reality TV shows that yeah. we we're all watching. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I would honestly say that was the start of, I'm not sure that specific show, but that was definitely the start of black reality television. This is a perfect segue to the 2010s. So this is actually when Love and Hip Hop and Basketball Wives come out, Mm. which is really, I would say, the turning point for Black reality because this really shifts the narrative, I think, of how Black people are portrayed in mainstream media, in my opinion. So before we had wholesome sitcoms, nice family unit. Next, we're fighting girls at the club for sleeping with our man. And that's literally what these shows are. In a nutshell. Honestly, I could never really get into the emergence of like Black reality TV. I definitely think like you mentioned, those shows solidified our space in reality television. And Mm -hmm. it just sucks that it... I wouldn't say it sucks that it was those TV shows. Because in some way, I mean, you got to get your bag the way you get your bag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, it, in a capitalist it, society, ex- exactly, you have to do things it, you don't want exactly, to. and that's why, like, it's hard to pass judgment on someone when, like, clearly there's a market for it, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, like, I would say if we weren't in a capitalistic society, then maybe there would be more to go off of, but honestly, hey, get your bag the way you get your bag, uh, mm-hmm. I think most of us know parts of it is 
very scripted and Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. literally what we have to rely on like yeah it sucks that there's you know a lot of drama violence it potentially portrays us in a bad way Mm -hmm. but honestly what can we really do about it at this point because we don't have a lot of ownership in media yeah it's really sad I actually looked up who the producers were for these two shows, Love and Hip Hop and Basketball Wives, mm-hmm. and actually both Black women, which I wasn't really, I wasn't expecting that for some reason. I guess it makes sense because I guess they know the community best, but I was really surprised that it was a Black woman that really crafted this whole narrative of like, I was this gonna, is what modern day Black family like relationships look like. Yep. I was going to say, you'll actually be surprised if you look up majority of these shows mm-hmm. because I did look up like for example family reunion the creator of it is actually a black woman as well really and there's so many crin yes yeah. Ooh, that show's not even funny exactly who is passing these exactly I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes yeah they cannot think <laughs> this they cannot think these shows are actually funny like, I wonder I, how much creative freedom they actually have. I know. I think I've just come to the realization that, like, maybe they're truly just not creating content for me, you know? like That's the, very true. Yeah. In the 90s, clearly in the early 2000s, these sitcoms were something that we could resonate with. And mm-hmm. maybe the writers and content creators today just don't have the same mindset and mm-hmm. thought process that they used to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that raises an interesting point in terms of what exactly then is Black television? Is that just Black actors on the screen? Because like you said, there can be Black actors on the screen, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that we're still the audience, right? Yeah. <sighs> I have so many issues with that, but I will say I think Black TV is something for us by us so Mm -hmm. we're seeing us on the screen and it's also us watching it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can really tell when it's that type of black tv exactly for sure black tv that's kind of meant to either educate and I use that term like really really loosely other Mm -hmm. reasons about the black experience I feel like that's kind of what blackish was to be honest Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think that show was super relatable as a black person. Definitely but not. yeah, there definitely is a difference, I think, in terms of how black TV can be interpreted today. So kind of jumping back, I think, for what we were talking about, love and hip hop and that kind of bringing to light black reality TV. Mm-hmm. What do you think about how black people are portrayed in reality TV today? Um. Honestly, I don't really have much of an opinion on that just because I don't really watch a lot of Black reality TV. But what I will say is just having a finance and very like data-driven background and wanting Mm -hmm. to know the data behind it, I'd be interested to know for Black reality TV how much of the viewership is actually a Black audience versus Mm -hmm. like a non-Black audience because... When you look at what it's showcasing on TV, like from what I've seen so far, it just seems like something that would cater to a non-Black audience to continue to further the agenda and the narratives around Black people. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Because although I don't watch it, what I do know is after it comes out, the commentary around it afterwards is always like, oh, did you see this fight between so-and-so? And And did you see X, Y, and Z scene? And everything that they talk about and comment on are things that are very much so in line with how non-people of color talk about Mm -hmm. Mm women. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I am a reality TV junkie, so I have a lot to say. But first, kind of responding to your point, I'm really hoping that the success of Insecure and perhaps even Abbott Elementary, even though that's more like Mm -hmm. a mixed cast, will really show that you do not have to portray Black people in a certain negative light to really get viewership. Like those shows were so successful. Yes. And they were about like normal people. Like you want to see normal people on our screen, you know? Yes. But my answer to how I think Black people are portrayed in the media. First, gotta go back to Love and Hip Hop. I think that show opened the floodgates of negative stereotypes in terms of the Black community, and they perpetuated stereotypes. And I think they actually did validate some as well in terms of their behavior and just Mm -hmm. how toxic Mm -hmm. some of these shows were. Like the stereotypes about the Black family being very unstable. Mm -hmm. I think those reality shows definitely validated that. And I think it's interesting because other communities have reality television shows, like The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They have Bling Empire, which showcases... I was going to say Bling Empire, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're showcasing different like Asian communities, but the way that they're portrayed is so different mm-hmm. than like all Black reality TV shows. Like They're showing wealth. They're showing indulgent trips, and like sometimes you'll get a fight. And I feel like most of the times they're not physical fights, though. Mm-hmm. They'll be like verbal confrontations. But in Black TV shows, like, we're showing everything. We're seeing people get thrown across tables and stuff. Like, yeah. why is the standard so much lower for us? Also, just to interject there, because I know you have more to talk about on this. Like you were mentioning with Bling Empire, they all come from very successful and wealthy families. Mm-hmm. And in of course, like black television, black reality TV, you have to look at who they actually have on these shows. Like you said, love and hip hop. This is, you know, the rap game, the hip hop culture, Mm -hmm. like these people are in the industry. And then also for basketball wives, they're in the athletic realm. So Mm -hmm. those families will be portrayed in a certain way, I feel like, versus, Mm -hmm. you know, like, why don't they have black lawyers, black doctors, you know, wealthier black mm-hmm. families that are doing something outside of the athletic and music industry? That's true. There is Married to Medicine, which I think is I on, know. Yeah, which is on own, which is about black doctors. I feel like they even have a lot of drama too. They do like have a lot, a lot more. of drama. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like what in the world? is going on. I hope my doctors aren't acting like this off the clock. <laughs> I do not want you touching my body <laughs> like, after yeah. seeing this. Yep. I feel like we have definitely shitted all over Black reality TV, but there are 
maybe there is one show though within the Black Reality TV scope that both of us semi-enjoy and that is Sweet Life, which is on HBO Max. And that just follows a group of friends like in LA that are millennials trying to get their bag up and hold each other accountable in their friendships, which is their favorite phrase to use. But (laughs) do you think Sweet Life is more of a Black reality TV show where we can look up to these people or is it kind of more in line with what we're seeing in Love and Hip Hop, et cetera? Um, well, I wouldn't say I necessarily like look up to Mm -hmm. them, but I will give them their credit and their flowers and say that like, yeah, sweet life is really something that I do resonate with just Mm -hmm. because like a lot of the, a lot of the issues and kind of not necessarily all of the drama, but some of the things that they go through, that's like really real life right now for me. So I can just relate to some of the friendship issues and business related things that they talk about. Um, And I just appreciate like the honesty, the transparency and them kind of like showcasing how they handle those issues. Cause a lot of that stuff, I see it on TV and I really do go back and think about those situations and how they happen to me. So it's more so like I can definitely see myself represented on that show. And mm-hmm. I really like that. It's very refreshing to me. Yeah. You? Yeah. I know. I feel the same. I think it's a mix. There are some aspects like the business side more so that I really mm-hmm. admire because I think it's really hard just to start any business. And so just to see yep. how they've grown them is really interesting to me. So kind of shifting gears, I think we this would be a good time for us to perhaps talk about some Black creators and like our opinions on them. And then maybe... Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Where should we start with people that we're loving, people that we're not loving? I honestly want to start with the people that we're not loving, specifically okay. circling back to, I feel like we already mentioned, you know, the Tyler Perry's, uh, the yeah. Kenya Barris's of the world. So <laughs> let's okay. get into it there. Um, All right, besties, buckle up. <laughs> we got a lot of opinions on these men. So first, let's start with Tyler Perry. I think that would be interesting since we talked about him before. So yeah. I, to be completely honest, I do think he is an icon and a pioneer of Black cinema because yes. for a long time, I feel like he... His movies were the only things that you could watch on TV or even at actually at the movie theaters. But mm-hmm. now that I'm older and I reread some of these storylines, I rewatch some of these scenes. I'm literally like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> I'm confused. And I know why I'm confused. It's because Mr. Tyler Perry is actually pretty notorious for having not having a writer's room so he writes all of his stuff by himself and a writer I did not know that (laughs) I know but it makes a lot of sense now because his stories have similar themes which we'll talk about but yep if you have a writer's room you can at least bounce off ideas from off of different people from different ages different backgrounds etc but he just writes his stuff by himself so I know that for a fact, because when I watch his movies, literally what I see is him dressing up as Medea, which I think really 
validates the stereotype that black women are really masculine because he literally dresses up like her. And I don't even know how to, to describe Medea's behavior. This woman, you could say she's the enemy of the state too. That's what she gets into. I'm like, how is she not locked up on, was it Rikers Island? I don't know. This woman is off the rails, but his movies are definitely all about trauma, which I do not like. The woman, the Black woman in particular, is always being embarrassed every yes. single time, always coming out at the bottom. And I am just not, not a fan. What do you think about Tyler Perry? Okay. I just want to preface, preface this with, this is so funny because I took a class in college that explored mm-hmm. Black cinema from oh. like the, literally from the start of the film industry up until wow. now. Yeah, and so we did a presentation on problematic Black filmmakers, and Tyler Perry was one of them. We made sure to highlight this. (laughs) That is the note of the presentation. I know. So I would say, like, everything you said is true. I resonate with that a lot. The way he portrays Black women in his storytelling, like, I'm definitely not a fan of it. Yeah, like, Uh, do you hate us? You actually hate us. What did we do? The crazy part is I feel like this has an underlying theme of just how Black men and women relations Mm. across the board are. Interesting. Interesting. Crystal, I feel like it's the thing where we're always like, if you hate me, just say that. If you don't like me, just say that. And Black men are always like, no, no. But then you see this type of stuff. Yeah. It's like, are are we on two different planets right now? Because I'm confused. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Sorry. Quick uh, thought. That actually makes me think about social media and just the rise of Black men that dress up as Black women and mock them. Like how popular that is. Yes. what the is fact going that on? you what put two and do? two together that yes I'm yeah what you're putting down. and like the whole world is laughing at it and they don't even know how that impacts us on a personal level exactly but I think like we mentioned earlier because you were saying he grew up around mostly women I actually watched something and he was saying how like he based Medea off of his grandmother and other um, women in his family because he thought they were strong mother figures. And exactly how you're saying interesting. I thought that was interesting because I would say like when I watched his stuff, like it does shine through that, like they're strong figures. Mm-hmm. And I would say to an extent, it is kind of bringing that humanistic um, touch to it but also underlying he's highlighting a lot of flaws and I just I don't know I don't I don't think it really resonates with who we are as black women in general mm-hmm. I think the way he highlights those things it just is not a productive narrative and as you mentioned it definitely mocks who we are as mm-hmm. people just because um 
I would say in his things, and this is something that we mentioned in our analysis of problematic filmmakers, mm-hmm. he brings out the negative stereotypes of black womanhood. You know, uh, it's that he puts on a pedestal that strong black woman matriarch archetype and also mm-hmm. the angry black woman archetype. Like he, mm-hmm. he, that is who he is to his core. And he stands by that in every single film. I would yeah. argue that that is the thing in all of his films. Exactly. And it's such a shame too, because now I feel like he has enough power and influence to really make any type of story. He has his own studio in Atlanta. He can actually create his own world. And the fact that this is like the tropes that he continues to perpetuate perpetuate, yeah. is yeah. really annoying. I feel like honestly, when we do talk about all of these Black creators that we're not loving, I think it's because they're using our pain and trauma to Mm -hmm. honestly profit from it. And I mean, in this capitalistic society, like that's what it is. They, Mm -hmm. I think they know that this is what a white audience would actually want to see. So let me put it out there. Like, of course, black people are going to support it because I'm a black creator. Hey, Get your bag how you get it, but also it's very offensive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Can you get your bag and not embarrass us? I know. I promise you there is a way to make that happen. I know. I mean, there. we we're gonna highlight it in the people that we're loving. That's true. So. <laughs> okay, I think we can move on from Mr. Tyler Perry. Next are you sure? <laughs> Right. We could go on for days. We could create a whole episode just on (laughs) We could. We just want you to do more, Tyler. We want you to do better. Yeah. Yeah. You have the resources. Especially now. You already have made enough money. Like, let's just change gears a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And there's so many different ways I feel like he could really foster the Black cinema space, like getting... A writer's room. and like I was going to say, let's start writer. with getting a writer's room. <laughs> yeah, like bring other people to the table so you can have more Black creators. You can't be yes. the only person feeding all the content on BET. That's nuts. We need yeah. more. Yes. Oh, my right. God. Amen. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. We have one more, and it's Lena Waithe. Oof. Where do we start? on Lena Waithe? Honestly, I've only watched them, so I can't really comment on anything else. But honestly, after just seeing that one thing, I never, ever want to watch anything (laughs) produced, created, written, made by her at all. (laughs) That was truly Black trauma for I would say for no reason to be honest Mm -hmm. like I did not understand the purpose of that show at all Mm -hmm. like you literally just see violence perpetrated against black people for the sake of violence to be honest Mm -hmm. like what was the show them supposed to do for our community I'm just unclear and I felt like I I don't know. Like I saw pain and violence for no reason. 
And honestly, I am truly still scarred. I can't even begin to comment anymore on what I felt watching that show. I don't even think I processed it because if I did truly process it, I think me just being an emotional person, I would actually cry. Like I, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Lena Waif. So she has a couple well-known titles. So she's actually the creator of The Chai, which is on Showtime. And that's actually a pretty good show. I used to watch that. It's some violence, but I think that's a pretty good show. But I'm also not a fan of them. I didn't even watch it because of all the backlash that I was seeing on Twitter about it being super violent and like really graphic as well. I think that was the big issue people had with it. And then she was also part of Queen and Slim. Mm. So the ending of Queen and Slim, I definitely (laughs) resonate with your concept of like violence for the sake of violence. Like in a world where you can create your own storylines, why did it have to end like that? Like, I feel like her stories are just so traumatic to watch as a Black person. Yeah. And just not fun. Like, why do you even, I wonder if she even watches it herself. And like, how do you not watch the content that Lena puts out? And like, your stomach does not turn as a Black yeah. person. Just seeing your community suffer on a screen for an hour plus. Just because you said she was a part of Queen and Slim, I definitely want to circle back to that because looking back on that storyline and so basically I kind of see where she's coming from, I guess, putting out there that like violence within the Black community, maybe even domestic abuse highlighting that. I could Mm -hmm. see her taking that spin on things. But for Black women, I think to watch that, I don't know, like you're already potentially seeing your reality displayed Mm -hmm. in a movie. So Mm -hmm. I could see how that could be very traumatic because that's the one thing that I thought of when you said that. The storyline automatically of like the, the girl in the movie, her mom died because of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And then... Literally at the end, when the police shoots them, the girl is the first to die. <laughs> yeah. So, it was a break. I know. I just, mm-hmm. it's, it's heavy and I can't eat. I just can't comment on that anymore. That's dramatic. Yeah. I'm ready to transition to the people that we're loving. Like I can't even give these directors or these creators any yeah. more any more breath like let's just not <laughs> yeah. yes so I actually have an additional person oh. for the, that we are loving that I think is like a good transition yes when, since a lot of the titles that Tyler Perry and Lena Waithe put out are like mm. feature films mm. I think someone a black creator that is doing like the feature film scene right is Jordan Peele mm. Interesting. yeah because I feel like he always has a lot of variety in the cast. Like he had Kiki Palmer in Nope, like Daniel Kaluuya. Mm -hmm. He's also my man. But just the variety that I feel like we see in the characters is really good. And just creating a new genre of like the Black sci-fi, Black thriller space. And it's not done in a way I feel like that is traumatizing in the way that Lena Waithe does it. I think he does it in an artistic way that's a little bit more digestible. I agree. 
Another yes. person that we both love <laughs> is Miss Issa Rae. Of course. Yeah, we've already... I love Issa. I'm like, we've already low-key highlighted her throughout this whole episode. So it would, mm-hmm. it would make sense for us to circle back to her. Not to harp on it for <laughs> much longer, but I definitely loved Insecure for so many reasons. Just highlighting the communities within Los Angeles that have been traditionally Black and that are now being gentrified. I mean... I loved seeing it for what it was. Yeah, I think just highlighting where a lot of us grew up as young Black people in L.A. was really nice to see on the screen. And then also seeing Black men and Black women honestly being real and having real jobs and living real life. Like, it's crazy how we have not seen that in so long. And it was just so it was so refreshing and profound to see that on television and especially on a network like HBO. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's one reason why the show did so well was because we really, really needed a Black TV show where we could relate to the characters. And I feel like that's really what Insecure was. Whether you're a Molly girl or an Issa girl, like you could see yourself yes. in some, like somewhere in the show, which I appreciate. And then I also appreciate how just the writing, the storylines, it's mm-hmm. really creative. They're normal. I mm-hmm. feel like you don't leave an episode for the most part feeling completely distraught. Like you'll actually laugh. <laughs> yes. And I just love also like the community aspect of watching Insecure too. Like going on Twitter and just seeing what everyone thinks about it and like talking to it with your friends. I feel like Issa really did something special with that show. And she also is the creator of Sweet Life on HBO Max. So yeah. also seeing her branch out into different titles has been really admiring as well. Yeah. I think too, just to add to that, also the diversity of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, I honestly forgot my other point, but yeah. <laughs> Let, yeah, I agree. Her cast is super diverse. I hope they're in something next. Yeah. I'm ready to see them in new projects. Yes. <laughs> Another person that we appreciate is Robin Thede. So Robin Thede is the creator of Black Lady Sketch Show, which is also on yes. HBO Max. <laughs> HBO Max is really, I will say, they definitely have a good handful of Black created shows. Mm-hmm. Props to them for that. So for Black Lady Sketch Show, I actually don't watch the show. I've tried mm. to watch it. I personally don't think it's funny, but I appreciate Robin for her ensemble cast of Black women. I feel like mm. she lets people really explore different characters and their different strengths as an actress. So I appreciate her for that. I love it. Yeah, I think just to add on to that, um, I watched the first season. I watched some of season two. I couldn't really get into season two as much. Season one, there were some sketches that were funny to me. And then there were some that I got, but then there were some that I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But what I will comment and say on that is like, I think, honestly, I feel like she let different writers write from their perspective what they thought was funny. So I think across the board, if someone sees it, they can potentially resonate with those. Um, so I did like 
the fact that it's like very diverse and also the fact that she gave a voice to black women through comedy because that was an area that was lacking for so long to be honest so she's a pioneer in her own right yeah yeah we really love it love it yeah <laughs> last but not least we have another person we really love and it's Quinta Brunson so she's the creator of Abbott Elementary which I ha- honestly think is like one of the most popular TV comedy shows that have been on a linear network for mm. a long 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 time so I think she is brilliant she started on BuzzFeed so I remember watching her yes back in the day and so watching her also grow her career to be the creator of a show on a linear network especially in like 2020 when did it come out 2021 we're in I feel like it's really hard to get a linear show yeah really amazing and I love her cast all the different characters I feel like it's really fun really lighthearted and I'm just excited to see what other projects she comes out with next because I really have enjoyed Abbott Elementary don't say anything on this but I have not watched the show yet oh okay <laughs> I, it's fine I'm going to I've heard so many great things about it um and I do remember watching her on BuzzFeed and YouTube so I I just need to make time to do it but I I trust you on yeah, that it's a good piece one. about her. Yeah. It's a good one. And I think just all of these people that we've highlighted, Issa, Robin, Quinta, and also Jordan Peele, shows that there's so much diversity, I think, within the Black cinema space, Black TV, cinema, film, et cetera, space, where like we want to see more of this. We're tired of seeing yes. people like us die on our screens. We know it's possible to make original good content that is uplifting, funny. And we just, we want to see more, but we really yes. do. Yes. Talking about <laughs> seeing more. Sierra, are there any emerging creators or projects that you're excited to come to life within the Black cinema space? I haven't really paid attention to projects in particular that are coming out from, you know, Black creators. Um, but I will say seeing that like Carrie Washington has her own production company and she's actually partnered with Disney's Onyx Collective to put out some stuff. I'm really excited to see what content she releases just because I feel like the movies that I've seen her in, she has never really played in too many traumatic roles. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just have hope and faith that she is going to do something good for our community. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then the other person that I'm excited to see what she comes out with is Storm Reed. She um, launched her own production company and I don't know. I definitely feel like this new generation of young black artists they're, you know, they're Gen Zers. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't put it past her to create something for us, for the culture that is not um, traumatic. Right. That's literally <laughs> all we're asking for. Please do not traumatize us when we're watching your show. Yeah. I love it. How about you? Yeah, so similar to you in terms of, you know, Gen, Gen Z mm-hmm. coming 
coming out with their own production companies. I'm really excited to see Marseille Martin and what she comes up with. She also mm-hmm. has she also started her own production company called Genius Productions. They haven't announced any projects yet, but I feel like she's really cool. Yeah. Like I think she's the coolest girl on the street right now. So it'll be cool to see what happens with that. So besties, that was our kind yeah. of thorough analysis on the current state of Black TV. We'd love to know, what do you think about Black TV? What are you loving right now? What are you hating are there any shows you can put us on where he's looking for new content to consume? And to stay up to date on everything podcast related and even leave us your feedback, check us out on IG and TikTok at Black Girls Have Fun and our Facebook page, Black Girls Just Want to Have Fun Podcast. Yay. And that wraps up our first season. Woo! Season one. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this roller coaster of a season we laughed a little we laughed a lot actually didn't cry at all which is good are you sure right at least we edited (laughs) that part out so y'all didn't (laughs) but thank you so much for listening to the podcast we truly appreciate each and every one of our besties Mm -hmm. and again feel free to listen to episodes one through seven now as we are going to go on a brief hiatus before popping out season two. Yes. (laughs) Bye for now, but we will stay connected on the socials. And until next time, we'll see you later, besties. See you later. Bye, besties.